And I'm going to be sharing tonight the last part of Rest and Possess. If you'll turn with me to Matthew 11. And uh, just want to share a little bit tonight. And, and then ask you about something that God has revealed to me. To see if, you know, maybe in your life uh, there's a, a place where the enemy's deterring you from the rest that God has provided for us. Really through Calvary. Uh, what we've received through Jesus is all we're ever going to receive. Truly, salvation is everything. Everybody say, salvation is everything. And one of the definitions of salvation in the Greek is total well-being. Now, how many of you know we're walking that out? We, we haven't maybe arrived at total well-being. I don't know about you in your life, but in my life, every day there's opportunities to practice walking in total well-being in that situation. However, it's been provided for us just like healing's been provided just like salvation's been provided at the cross, that well-being is ours every day. So if you'll look at uh, Matthew 11, it says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What's going to give you rest in the world we live in today? Jesus. Not circumstances, not situations, not anything that we have or ever will have. We cannot accumulate enough money to have rest because nothing of this world is is. Uh, eternal. Everything that we experience is temporal while we're here in the earth. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, your souls, that's not your spirit. How many of you know your spirit is at rest? Your spirit connected to God is at total peace. You know, uh, the spirit of God lives in us to give us peace. We're going to talk about that tonight and rest. But how many of you know your mind can trouble you? How many of you know a troubled mind is trouble? <laughs> if your mind is troubled, then pretty soon the rest of you is troubled. You know, we just dealt with my dad in the hospital and, and uh, with a blood pressure problem. And I'm telling you, a troubled mind will elevate your blood pressure. You know, it causes pressure. It causes pressure on your body, causes pressure on your thinking, causes us to make decisions we don't want to make. God wants us to be at rest. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, I sometimes hear people say, well, you know, you just, it's, you just never know what God's going to do. Like it's going to be something really that's really going to be hard on us. God's yoke is easy and his burden is light. That's what the word says. And to rest means to stop, to cease, to end, to a secession from toil. It says God created heaven and earth. He created everything in six days. And on the seventh day, he, he rested. When Jesus finished his work. He said, it is finished. And in Hebrews 10, it says, and he sat down. Everybody say, sat down. And I've had God say to me in my prayer time sometimes, would you just sit down? Because every now and then we get up, don't we? We get up out of our sit down position and we decide to try to bring things into existence, maybe that God's told us, or, or we try to help God fix what he said he was going to fix, but he hasn't fixed it yet. And so we, you know, we get out of, up out of our sit-down position, and we begin to help God. Then we get out of rest. Everybody say, out of rest. And last week, we talked about Hebrews chapter 3, where the children of Israel, and that's the example in the book of Hebrews that God gives us of not entering into the rest and the importance of it and the liability in our life if we don't enter into rest. Now, I have never been much of a rester. My husband is a, a rester in his just his natural self. Pastor Bill has always been resting. And uh, in fact, this morning, he took our granddaughter to Jen's house and um, he was resting. 
in his mind, I'm sure, pulled into somebody else's driveway, got out of his car, went around and went to get uh, Molly out of the car. And she goes, this isn't it. She's two and a half. So we send people with him because he's in a resting state who know what's going on. Hallelujah. So I just say for him, this scripture is very easy for him to follow, resting. So that's strike two. One day he told me that since we've been keeping her, he almost went to the grocery. He forgot she was asleep because he, we, we, we just started keeping her. So I said, well, we'll put a sign on the door that says baby asleep. Don't leave the premises, you know. And so now, good thing Molly knows where you live because I don't know. I don't know what would have happened. Hallelujah. Don't tell Lori. She's not in here, is she? She's not in here. Okay, good. That will take away her rest immediately. Hallelujah. (laughs) I might lose my job. But, you know, God wants us to live in rest. Everybody say live in rest. And and not, not be ignorant of what's going around us necessarily, but that we are rest in our hearts and things that come. There will be trouble. You know, that's what the word of God tells us. You know, there's going to be opportunities that we face because we're in the world. When we got saved, we didn't get delivered out of the world. Heaven will take care of that in its time. And there will be that rest, that final resting place. But God wants us to rest right here where we are. And I don't know about you, but this is something I have to practice. And I want to read to you from Hebrews. Um, I'm reading through the Bible. Some of you know this this year in um, this um, message Bible. And, and tonight I'm going to just read a few things to you out of the Message Bible. But it, it talks about, this is chapter 4 of Hebrews. Now, it won't go along with your New King James, but this is what it says. For as long then as that promise of resting is in him pulls us onto God's goal for us, we need to be careful that we're not disqualified. How many of you know that that's, that's a pretty big word, disqualified, from what God intended for us. Uh, we've re- we received the same promises as those people in the wilderness. We talked last week how the people didn't inherit the promise of God because they did not walk by faith, and they couldn't enter into rest if they didn't mix faith with what they heard. But the promise didn't do them a bit of good because they didn't receive the promises with faith. If we believe, though, we'll experience that state of resting, but not if we don't have faith. Remember that God said, exasperated. Can you imagine God being exasperated? I thought that was a a big word, you know, for God being exasperated, but I'm sure he is. I vowed they'll never get where they're going and never be able to sit down and rest. What did Jesus do? He sat down and rested because he had completed the work that he was going to complete. And it said, God keeps renewing the promise and setting the date as today, just as he did in Psalm, David's psalm centuries later than the original invitation. God made a vow. He said that we could enter into rest. Turn to your neighbor and say, I can have rest. Now, this rest isn't when everything goes right, because you're probably going to have to die to get there when everything's going to go right. You know, I've lived a long time now. And, and I've raised children. I'm, I'm trying to help with grandchildren. I'm helping with parents who are 88 and 90. And I'm telling you every day there's an opportunity to get out of rest. And so unless we leave the world, we're going to have to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. We are promised that that's what the just do. And why do the just do that? Because of Jesus. Everybody say, because of Jesus. And so when, when I was reading this, I went back in the Old Covenant. One of my, my favorite scriptures is um, when, Solom- or, or when Moses had the children of Israel, he was bringing them out. And uh, in Exodus 33, you know, he left them. 
to go up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. And while he was gone, they definitely got out of rest. They thought he'd left them. They decided to build, uh, to make a calf. That You know, Aaron had all kinds of excuses, like he didn't do anything. He came back to a total scrambled up mess. And in the end of all of that, in Exodus 33, uh, Moses has this conversation with the Lord. And he says to the Lord in verse 12 of Exodus 33, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You know, Moses always was looking for somebody else to help him do what he was going to do. And not to God. Yet you also have said, I know you by name, and you've also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I've found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. He's trying to to put the responsibility on somebody else. How, How many of you have ever lived there? And this is what he said. This is what he said. My presence. Everybody say, God said. My presence will go with you, and I will give you I will give you what? I will give you rest. It wasn't just the promised land that we talked about last year that, or last week that God was saying would be their place of rest. Their true place of rest was that God was with them. Everybody say God was with them. And so that isn't due to circumstances. And that's not when we get somewhere. How many of you have ever felt like, you know, if I ever get these kids raised, then I can rest. I'm just going to tell you right now that isn't going to happen because they come back. They revolve, you know, they, they circle around and they, here they come and they bring more with them. So instead of rest, you have multiplied opportunity for unrest. So I'm just telling you that once you grow up and be a little bit responsible, it's, it's all over for rest when you get there. Because when you get there is never going to happen for the rest to be complete until we see Jesus. So what is this rest that he's trying to tell Moses? I can't imagine being Moses leading all those people. I mean, we've had a church here for several years, and, and I, I just have opportunities all the time to wonder sometimes, are we ever going to get there? And, and, and so I can't imagine having the numbers of people that he had, the messes that they had made, the challenges that he had had with them, and he says to God, you know, I need help. Who's going to go with me? And God's only answer is the same one he gave him in the beginning. I will be with you. And that's the same answer we have today. When we took communion tonight, it's the same answer. I will be with you. That's it. That is the only answer. Jesus is the answer. That's up here on the wall. Why? Because that is the answer to our rest. It's our answer to everything in this life. Jesus. Why? Because he said himself, learn of me. Why did he say that in Matthew eleven twenty eight? He said, learn of me. That's what he said when he said, oh, and you will find rest for your souls. Your soulish realm is your flesh and your will and your emotions and all those things that can get stirred up. And so what he said was, when you learn of me, what is he saying? When you learn what I have done for you, then you will have rest for your souls. He wasn't saying when you find out how to make enough money to take care of everything you have need of, you'll find rest for your souls. No more than God said to Moses, as soon as you get these people to the promised land, you're going to rest. Now, he did say that he was taking them to a land of milk and honey, that there would be no more wars. Once they settled in there, God would, you know, be their God. But they never entered into any rest because even then they still ended up in Babylon 
eventually. Why? Because they never rested. Everybody say rested. And what was the rest? That God was who he said he was and that he was with them. That was, that was rest right there. And, and everything else we do is practicing walking in that rest, just like other things that we're, we're being perfected in in our life. How many of you found that walking in love has opportunities to learn to walk in? You, you think you've accomplished it, and then you get somebody else that you've got to learn to walk in love with because we're constantly growing in that. We grow in our ability to really walk in rest, but the rest has been completed through Calvary. Exactly what we did here in communion. I'm going to read you in a few minutes a couple of scriptures. But what it says in Deuteronomy, when he finally had to, to, to take a second generation and bring them in to his promise, which was the land of milk and honey, this is how he said that they got there. And I think this is very interesting. It says in Deuteronomy 4:37, And because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants. God loved that first generation of Israelites. And because he loved them, he chose their descendants after them. And he brought you out. Everybody say, brought you out of Egypt with his, with his what? He didn't say he brought them out through Moses' great leadership. He didn't say he brought them out because they were so, he said, I brought you out because I loved you. Not he says in Deuteronomy, "I, I loved you. That's why I chose you. It wasn't because you were super people. It wasn't because you were so smart. I I brought you out to bring you in. Everybody say, bring you in. So he brought him out with his his presence, with his mighty power. We sang at glory, power, that when we sang earlier. Driving out from before you nations greater and mightier than you to bring you in to give you their land as an inheritance as it is this day. Now, if you look at that in light of Jesus and what he did, he, through his blood, brought us out of dominion of the devil our Egypt. He brought us out of dominion of the devil and what he could do and how he could hold us down or try to stop us. He totally eradicated that through his blood. We took communion tonight. We talked about his blood and his body that was broken for us. Then he gave us his presence. Everybody say his presence. And through his presence living in us, we have the ability to drive out every force and every enemy that comes against us in everything that we see before us. Therefore, we have rest. Did you get that? That's really the way, that's really the truth of our life. And so when we, when we get ourselves into that position, then when things come, we say, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He brought me out to bring me in. Now, there may be many opportunities to be brought in. You know, we've brought, been brought in, uh, in in our lives in ministry through many things. We've, we've gone through things, and we've had to enter into the rest that, of faith that God said it and he's going to do it. And, and so we passed through those waters, so to speak, of maybe unrest around us, but we had to remain at rest. And our rest wasn't because of the promise we were going to get because of the promise that we already had. Are you getting this? See, and when you already have something, then everything that you go after is a guarantee because it's already been secured by God because Jesus, the same God who took those Israelites in the old covenant into the promised land is still that same God who through the blood of Jesus made a way for all of us to walk into every promised land that God has told us he's going to give us. I don't know what that is in your life today, but this is important. This is that car you need to get where you're going. This is that house you need because you have so many kids. You got too many 
kids to, to the, more kids than you got house. How many of you have ever been there? <laughs> more kids than you've got house. This is a God who cares about where you're living right now. This isn't just a God who one day took a bunch of people into the promised land. This is because of Jesus, we enter into the rest of this, that everything we have need of God is secured. Why? Because of Jesus. Now, let me read you this. I just thought this was so good. Uh, it's in, um, let me find it here, Romans 5 in this uh, message Bible. If you would put that up, Romans 5, 18 through 21. Romans 5, 18 through 21. And, and this is, I love the way they say things in here. It says, here it is in a nutshell. Okay, are you ready? <laughs> here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did wrong and got us all in all this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out. Isn't that good news? Got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. He brought us out to bring us in. Pastor John shared that scripture, John 10, 10. Boy, that's an excellent, excellent scripture. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life. He identified the thief and what he would do. But, what does that but mean? However, everybody say however. There's more to the story. I have come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. That brings rest. That says I have come. Everybody say he has come. So what did he do? He came and when he came, he brought his presence not only into the earth, but he left it when he went to heaven in us. And it's the presence that takes us in to life and takes us out of bondage. It's his presence. It says one man said no to God and put many people in the wrong. One man said yes to God and put many in the right. All that passing laws against sin did was produce more lawbreakers. But sin didn't and doesn't have a chance. Get this tonight, because this is so important. Everything that tries to pull you away from what God has already given you does not have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. We sang that tonight. I am saved by grace. Lori spoke Sunday about my little granddaughter that she said to her when she was standing on her bed jumping around when Lori was trying to get her to settle down. Mercy. Mercy. She likes this song and she sings it in the back seat of my car. My husband called me the other day and said, she is in her bed singing in there. And I hate to bother her because she's singing every song she knows. Well, they're church songs. She doesn't have a world thought of what that is that she's saying, but she's singing grace. Well, what is grace? That is aggressive forgiveness. I'm telling you, if you learn that at two, whether you get it or not, it's going in. Hallelujah. It's going into your spirit. And it says when it's sin versus grace, grace always wins. Wins hands down. All sin can do is threaten us with death. And that's the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah, invites us to life. A life that goes on and on and on, world without end. So he brought us out to bring us in. He brought us out of bondage and darkness. And, and just like Pastor John just shared at the offering, he brought us out of the place where the devil has a right to touch any of our goods. He gave us a way to defeat him. What is that? Give God 
10%. Give God what's his. That's all that is. That's all he requires is just that little bit. But you give him all of that, and what you do is put yourself in position. Everybody say position. To live in rest. To live in the rest that he's provided. There are, there are conditions of how you stay in this place. You stay there by faith in your finances, in your health, or whatever arena it is. And that means you just do what God says, and you stay in this covering. Now, in 2 Corinthians 3, it talks about how Jesus took us to a place where we are in rest, and that's his presence. Everybody say his presence. And, and I, I really uh, love this scripture. I taught this when I went overseas once, and I took a wedding veil with me, and, uh, and I talked about the veil. And, you know, when it used to be in weddings, the, the brides would come down the aisle and their veil would be over their face. And uh, when, they, when it came time, I now pronounce you husband and wife. You are now one. That's what that's saying when you do that wedding ceremony. And you may kiss your bride. The veil was lifted. And the two people were joined by God. And the kiss was symbolic of that joining together. And, and so the veil was lifted and they were brought together. That's exactly what happened at Calvary. The veil was rent, and we were brought together with God. Pastor John used the door, you know, where we went through the door. We, the door was removed that held us back, which was that veil that was kept us from the Holy of Holies, from God's presence. And so we stepped into this place just like Moses stepped in because God said to him, my presence will give you rest. When Jesus conquered the enemy at Calvary, then the veil was removed. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 3. Do you have that up there, 2 Corinthians 3, 14? It says, but their minds were blinded for until this day, the same veil, everybody say veil, remains unlifted in the, in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in that veil is the ability to be in God's presence. The old covenant people couldn't be in God's presence. Only the high priest could go in that holy of holies. And so, but it was the presence of God. He said, it wasn't their presence in them at that time. But he said, my presence with you will bring you out to bring you in. And how much better covenant do we have? His presence is in us. It's not just, you know, with us externally. He is in us. So everywhere we go, we have the rest with God because the presence is with us. And it brings us out to bring us in. So every opportunity we face, we are more than conquerors in that situation. It says in John, you know, the Holy Spirit living in us. I love this scripture. It's in John 16, 32, 33. You know, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And we are overcomers. Everybody say overcomers. We overcome by our faith. That's how we overcome. But this is what it says in John 16, 32, 33. And this, again, is in the Message Bible. In fact, you're about to make a run for it. He's talking about his disciples when he's about to be crucified. You're about to run for it, saving your own skins and abandoning me. But I am not abandoned. I am not abandoned. Now, listen, there are a lot of situations where it looks like people are about to run for it and save their own skin. <laughs> and you're left there. But I am not abandoned. The Father is with me. And the next verse is the last verse of John 16. I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. The word of God says we will see difficulties. But take heart, I've conquered the world. And because he's conquered the world, we conquer. 
we conquer by faith. First John 5 says that the conquering that we do, the overcomers that we are, is of our faith. Everybody say faith. Now, those are things we can't see, but they're assured us because of what Jesus did on Calvary. We have already entered into the rest. We have entered into everything that God has for us. Turn to your neighbor and say, now that's good news. Now, why, why are we not walking in that rest? I ask myself that question. Why, why are you not walking in rest? Now, I have rest in some things, but then there's other things that I don't have so much rest in. Is that anybody here? Yeah, like some things I, I rest assured. And then other things I'm not so assured. I try to rest, but I'm not so assured. Some of you are just looking at me. I know that's you too. Hallelujah. Because the world and the enemy, you know, that's in the world who comes to steal, kill, and destroy has no new ways about him except to get us out of faith and get us into a place where we become confused and we start speaking things that we shouldn't be speaking and then we're in a situation that we don't want to be in. So if we're going to walk in this rest, I want to read you this again is in the, in the message Bible. Let's go back to Hebrews 4 where we started earlier in this message. And this is what it says. We're going to start with, with verse um, se- uh, 3 through 7. God made that vow which was that they would never be able to enter his rest because they wouldn't mix faith with their word. Even though he finished his part from the foundation of the world, Jesus has finished his part for us. I mean, he's not going back to Calvary. Whatever's done is done. So somewhere it's written, God rested the seventh day having completed his work. But in this other text, he says, they'll never be able to sit down and rest. So this promise has not yet been fulfilled. Those earlier ones never did get to the place of rest because they were disobedient. God keeps renewing promise and setting the date as today. Everybody say today. Just as he did in David's psalm centuries later than the original invitation. Today, please listen. Don't turn a deaf ear. And I say that to all of us here right now. Don't, don't not listen. So this is still a live promise. Everybody say a live promise. What does that mean? It's still good. There's still a promise of entering into his rest. Why? Because of Jesus. Everybody has that opportunity to choose Christ. It says it wasn't canceled at the time of Joshua, even though otherwise God wouldn't keep renewing the appointment for today. In other words, when they entered into the promised land, that was going to be their rest. But their, their, their true rest was in believing God is who he said he was. The true rest for us is in receiving Jesus Christ because that is the work completed. It's already been done for us. That's our rest. That's our promised land. The promise of arrival and rest is still there for God's people. God himself is at rest. Now, we enter into the rest of what Jesus did at Calvary, which we know is eternal. We are at rest. Turn to your name and say, I'm at rest. But how many of you face circumstances all the time that you have that opportunity to walk out your rest? So that's where I go back to God and say, okay. This is like love. I get it. It says in Romans 5 that the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart. And that's how I can love people. Not by who they are, but by who is in me. The love of God that's in me. But I know that there are days when I don't love everybody. Don't everybody look at me like it doesn't happen to you. Hallelujah. So I get this. That rest must be the same way. I'm at rest. But every now and then I hop up. And all of you, I'm sure, have hopped up. 
before in certain situations. And then I have to learn how to sit down again. And, and if I don't sit down, then the enemy, everybody say the enemy, has an opportunity against me. Because once I hop up, I am back in my soulish realm. I have forgotten what Jesus did for me. I have forgotten that I've been brought out and brought in. And I begin to operate based on the circumstance and not what God has promised me. Has anybody here lived there ever? And so, you know, I've, I've had opportunities all along. But I want to read you this scripture. It says in Matthew 16, um, and this is in the New King James, that, that there's a revelation that we get. How many, how many of you sometimes get revelation of what God's telling you? But then, of course, the enemy comes quickly to try to steal that revelation. And it says in Matthew 16, when, when Jesus is speaking to Peter and he's asking him, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. But my spirit that's on the inside, you know, of us today would be like the Holy Spirit revealing something to us. And then he says in verse 18, also, I say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock of revelation is what that is. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Turn to your neighbor and say the gates of hell will never prevail against you. Now that does not say they won't show up. It says they will not prevail. Why will they not prevail? Because of the revelation that Jesus is the son of God. What is that revelation? He has sat down. And because we received him, we have sat down. And so we are at rest. So the gates of hell can never prevail against us. They can rise up. They can come after us just like the enemy of Israel came after the Israelites. But as long as they kept their identification with God is with us, we will prevail. As long as we keep our identification, Jesus is with me. The spirit of God lives in me. I will prevail in this situation. And therefore, I'm at rest. People at rest make good decisions. People at rest have authority and dominion. People at rest are not pushed back. They move forward and they get the victory. People who are in unrest become confused and they end up in that wilderness situation. And as I was reading this, uh, the Lord put this little book in my hand and, and I've been reading the different little things in it. And uh, this, this particular chapter says, the not so magnificent obsession. Now, just want to back up just a little bit. Years ago, when God was trying to help me, I'm telling you, God will help you. But God is truthful. Turn to your ear and say, help me, Jesus. Because God speaks truth. And he doesn't say, you sweet little thing, you're just fine. When you're not. You are healed by the stripes of Jesus. But he will give you scriptures to say, to produce healing and life in your body when there's, you're under attack. God will tell you the truth. And years ago, he, the Lord said to me in my life, you are operating in vanity. And that's why you get into trouble. It's a form of pride. Well, I was just, I was just so upset. I looked up vanity, and sure enough, I was. People-pleasing. Everybody say people-pleasing. I always wanted somebody to tell me I was doing a good job, and that's vanity. And when you're in that position, the enemy can one day tell you you're doing a good job, and the next day tell you you're doing a bad job. And so your life is this roller coaster that goes up and down. And the Lord said, now I'm going to show you when you're doing this. And, and he said, this is the honest-to-goodness truth. I had broken out in this rash, and, and we couldn't get rid of it. And, uh, and so he said, when you are operating in vanity, you will itch. Now you're going to say, she is nuts. <laughs> 
Well, nuts or not, I got over it. Hallelujah. So, hallelujah. I'll be nuts if that's what it takes. And so, because I wouldn't know when I did it. And suddenly, this started happening all the time when I'd start getting myself in that position. And I'd hear, you're in it. I think, oh, I got to get out of here. This isn't good. Because I believe that when you get in the enemy territory, he'll take you out. And so I had to learn with the word of God and confessing thing over myself how to get that stopped in my life. Now, you may say that's crazy. It, it, I, I don't think I was hallucinating because the things that I used to think were crazy, those things were not crazy. The things that I used to think were okay were pretty crazy. Hallelujah. And I found out the difference. God doesn't do. He wants to help us. And so I'm reading this book, and this is what it says. And it's, it's really out of Lamentations. They think that's really by Jeremiah. I don't know who wrote it. But how many of you have called to mind things and, and you get yourself in confusion? Now, I would have never thought of this myself. But it says, to obsess is to think or worry about something constantly and compulsively. To think, this is this lady writing this, is to use the mind to consider ideas and make judgments. Now, didn't God say we need to renew our mind? Romans 12, 1 and 2, to the things of God, the spirit of the Lord. There's a big difference between thinking and obsessing. And I learned that I, I was obsessing. You're saying, oh, dear Jesus, and she's teaching us. Well, I'm teaching you because I learned. Hallelujah. And this may be you. And tonight, I believe God is saying, this will take your rest away. This is not called thinking. Call it what it is, or you'll never get rid of it. That's the absolute truth. God calls it what it is to set us free. Thinking is laying down a railroad track, using your mind to lay groundwork for ideas and judgments to run on. Thinking is a constructive process. It's taking you somewhere, and you are making progress. Thinking has a sense of direction that guides you closer to where you would like to end up. See, thinking isn't wrong if your thinking is lined up with the truth of the Word of God, which is, I've already won. I'm at rest, and so I'm thinking in accordance with the Word of God. I'm meditating the Word of God. If you're meditating it and thinking it, you'll speak it, and when you speak it, you actually Bring it into the earth because it's faith released before you see it. I don't have time to get into all that, but that's truth, okay? Now, this is obsessing. Obsessing, on the other hand, is like running on a hamster wheel. See, there's a few of you around here. You are spending energy like you're going somewhere, but in reality, it's not possible because obsessing is circular. I said, I was talking to Pastor John about it. I said, I'm guilty of this sometimes. I get going round and round, and then every once in a while I spin off into another one. And then I go round and round, and then then I think I got that one settled down, and I spin off, and I go over here, and there's another one. You all look at me like, you do it. I'm telling you. We've all done this. It's circular. It will take your energy and wear you out, but you never end up any closer to the solution. Bill's laughing. Pastor Bill's laughing at me because he's going to get home tonight and say, I'm glad you finally found out what was wrong with you. Here we go. I don't mind admitting where I'm missing it because I have learned in my years of ministry that God uses me to tell on myself to help other people get free. So I don't, you know, I really, I don't want to be bound. So if I'm doing this, then I've got to, I've got to get a way to get out of this. And I believe God 
had Pastor John ask me to preach so I could help myself. Now you say, well, that's a, that's a horrible way to, for us to have to learn. No, 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 this is good for you. Because humility is the beginning of freedom. Pride and I can do it and I'm, I'm just up here to tell you how. You know, I'm not saying that you have to experience everything to help somebody, but I'm telling you, if you stay in a prideful position, I learned that with that vanity word, that if you do that, you will be bound till you go see Jesus and you're going to miss a lot of things. I don't want to be obsessing. You know, I need to think I've got to get somewhere. Hallelujah. I don't have time to be going in circles. And this is what it says. Obsessing is not productive. It's destructive. It carves grooves in your mind that allow the tired scripts to keep running. How many of you got a few tired scripts? Thinking sets us free to ponder God's love for us. It opens the whole universe to us instead of a little groove. It says, think on this and get off the hamster wheel. Start building the track of your life on God's love for you. And I say that to you tonight. First Peter four or first Peter five, 10 says, number one, verse six, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. God has nothing planned for you except the very best. And it is exaltation. It's for you to be above and not beneath, for you to be the head and not the tail, for you to walk in authority and dominion and everything that God's promised. But if there's things in our character, see, the Holy Spirit in us is perfect. Our spirit is made perfect through what Jesus did at Calvary. But our mind and our flesh, our soulish realm has to learn what we have in Jesus and then humble ourselves. What does that mean? That doesn't mean be a worm and go around and talk about how bad you are. It means get rid of those things in our lives that God's going to use in our lives to, to exalt him. But he exalts us in exalting him. Joyce Meyer is having a huge convention this week down in St. Louis. Do you know why she is exalted in the earth? Because Christ has been exalted in her. People may think it's her, but she knows it's him. And as long as she knows it, she will keep being used by God to set people free. And if you want to hear somebody tell all their stories, she's a good one to tell her stories. I think I'm, I'm pretty good. I mean, I'm, I've done some things, but man, I'll tell you, she's got some whoppers. It says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due season. He wants to exalt us. He wants to exalt us. Be lifted high in my life. Be lifted high. In my world, be lifted high. In this church, be lifted high. In this community, be lifted high. Well, it says he lifts himself in us being lifted up. That's what it says in Matthew when it says, let your light so shine. It says he's exalted through our place in the earth being like him. Amen? And so we can't be, we, we don't have time to be going in circles. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Be sober, vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith. You will not have faith operating if you're not at rest. You will have worry and fear and anxiety, and you will be obsessing. Faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. It's, it, things happen. But may the God of all grace, everybody say grace. That's what we achieved. That's what we celebrated tonight when we took communion. Grace. Grace. And it says, may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while. That suffering is admitting like I'm admitting to you. I have to learn not to obsess. Now, I usually obsess about three in the morning. 
And so I'm getting fortified for that. Hallelujah. I read Jerry Seville's book. He said when the devil wakes him up at night, he's so sorry that he ever woke him up because he jumps out of bed and starts rehearsing everything that God is. And, you know, after a while, the devil just doesn't want to hear that. So he just says, go back to sleep. Hallelujah. And so there's ways to come against the enemy's tactics. But he gets me when my mind gets real quiet and my defenses are down a little bit and I wake up. Have any of you ever woke up like this? Anybody? Just me? It's just me? Yeah. And then, not Elizabeth or Bill. No, they don't. No. I, I pray for John. He inherited some of my not good things. But, you know, but Pastor John, poor thing. But, and, and, and Lori and Matthew. Oh, dear Jesus. I'm canceling all those curses. But I do know this. I do know this. You can cancel curses, but the devil is after people's thought life because there's great power in it or there's great disaster. And we are not going to be obsessors. Amen. We are not obsessing. And it says here, he will, after you've suffered, will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Have you ever heard somebody say, settle down? God says that to me every now and then. (laughs) Settle down. (laughs) That means get back and rest. Sit down and be quiet. Because you're usually going to say something that's not prosperous. Let's stand tonight. Hallelujah. To settle, you can stand up, is to, sec- to secure on or to a person by formal or legal process. Can I read that again to you? To settle is to secure on or to a person by formal or legal process. Do you know what that's happened to you through Jesus Christ? Through a formal or legal process, through the process of heaven's legal system, you have been secured to a person, Jesus Christ. And in that place, there is security. And you know what security is? Free from or not exposed to danger or harm in safe custody. Isn't that good? When God gave me that, I thought, oh, okay. It's already been done. The legal process has already been established eternally. I am Jesus' brother, sister. I'm in the family of God. God is my father. And I am, I am settled. He settled it at Calvary. Would you bow your heads to the We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.